Welcome, folks, to a very special episode of Cancel Too Soon, as it's really our first addendum episode. In the fall of 2022, myself and Jerome Cusan discussed the first two seasons of Party Down, which aired on Stars in 2010, 2011, that time frame. And for years after that, there had always been sort of rumors or small discussions of a reboot of source, be it a movie, be it a series comeback. And then finally, in the winter and spring of 2023, Stars brought it back for its third season. And that's what we're going to be discussing today. Jerome, I know Party Down was new for you to watch in the fall, but I have to say, as somebody who watched this show back on Netflix in 2010, 2011, I truly never thought I'd see the day. Uh, it's pretty incredible that we are doing this addendum, and, and just to see, you know, obviously many people were able to return, but even within the cast themselves, some people have gone on to do even bigger and better things, and some people are still kind of, you know, maybe not big stars, but everybody, it seems like, uh, was really excited to do this, and uh, yeah, I am, I am very much looking forward to discussing the third season of Party Down, because... I think any time you go into a reboot or kind of a, an addendum season like this, I think the concern is, like, what is the show going to be like? Like, are, is every is the magic going to be gone, so to speak? I look at the fourth and fifth seasons of Arrested Development as the prototype for what a reboot should not be, because I think those seasons were, were generally not well-regarded. Uh, they weren't funny. The cast wasn't really together. Just the magic of that show was gone. And look, Kevin, if you want to pretend that seasons four and five of Arrested Development do not even exist, uh, we can also do that if you want. I pretty much do. And I think that is a great case of like sometimes some things are better off just left alone. And I think there is a part of me when I hear something about like Party Down coming back. And even I think we we can agree that while the movie was good, maybe the the fourth season of Veronica Mars wasn't, you know, as good as it was on when in its UPN days, you know, there is some of that like, hey, it's just better left alone, even if there are some unfinished stories or what have you. So there is always, a, I think, some of that concern uh, when it comes into it. And I definitely had that with Party Down, especially hearing that one of the cast members wasn't going to be there. But they pretty much got everybody there. So I had hope. I was very cautious with my optimism, I guess. I would say so. I was I was cautiously optimistic in that I think the difference between this show and the Arrested Development seasons and I think some of the other rebooted seasons is that, you know, you were getting most of the cast together. And I think, as it turns out, I mean, you can't know this going in, but the new people that they brought in fit in tremendously well to the point where it's like they they felt as integrated and as part of this this cast even though they weren't in the first two seasons. And I think that's that's pretty incredible because there are only six episodes, but it just felt like Tyrell Jackson-Williams and Zoe Chow especially, it just felt like they were just in the show from the first episode, and it didn't feel awkward. It didn't feel like, oh, these are just two add-ons. It really felt like they were just a part of this cast like everybody else. And that that is an impressive magic trick to pull off. Yeah, they did. They did a really good job of like not just pushing pause on the universe we left and coming back like you came in. It felt like a real lived in show that these characters had lives and things that happened for a decade in between and that these people on the catering team aren't just brand new and nobody knows who they are treating them like outsiders. It's all very well integrated. Something else I think that's interesting about the show. Uh, is, you know, over time, you know, first there was a talk of a movie. I think movie was kind of like the 
the joke about how things were going to finish off, even community at the time, I think is having its six seasons in a movie thing, even though it was still on the air. I think that joke had been made. You had the Veronica Mars movie talk was coming, but you know, movie was talked about here with this, or at least brought up an interview with Megan Mullally. Then nothing happened. Then a few years later, Adam Scott said, well, if it's going to be anything, it sounds like it's going to be a TV show and streaming was around, but it still wasn't what was then. But do you think that, with streaming and the way shows are now that helped party down come back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this show it was, has been streaming on Hulu for years. And I think if anything, that's the reason that it was able to come back. And I am surprised. And I'm not totally surprised. Of course, stars is going to want this show, the rebooted show on their streaming platform, but I am very surprised that they didn't work out some sort of deal where it would stream on Hulu or another streamer just because I think it would have been really wise. And I don't know. I think it was – of course, streaming has changed the game, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that it ended up streaming exclusively on Stars because who the hell has Stars? And that's kind of what I was going to bring up. I think you know, Stars is like, God, we need something because uh, I subscribe to Stars through its hub on Hulu. They had a promo code like three months for two ninety nine. I was like, perfect. That's exactly all the time I need to spend on stars. And but while I had it, I said, you know, let me navigate and see what else is here. And when I tell you there is just nothing on that network aside from the new party down, I truly mean like I was even struggling to find something that I could like justify in my head watching or being like, well, you know, if there was anything, it was like a, you you could look it up and it was on stars and peacock and hulu and you know it wasn't like an exclusive thing so i guess i haven't really paid any attention to stars in a really long time but do they really just have nothing going on for them power is probably their biggest show and uh let's just say demographically we are not like a part of that audience but i would say power is very popular and there's like four different versions of that show and they've had a couple of spinoffs already. So just in terms of that show, uh, it's really popular. And there's also another show called Outlander that they have that I know is very popular. And again, it's another show demographically speaking that we're just not in that audience. Um, So, and again, these are, these are shows that I have not watched a single solitary minute of. And, And part of the reason is that it is on stars but they do have some popular shows, but undoubtedly they are going to get gobbled up by some by another big streamer or something is eventually going to happen with stars. I, I cannot imagine a scenario where they where they are able to survive on their own. Somebody's going to gobble them up and we'll just have to see uh, who it is. But, you know, it's just the, they, they, there is a sense of desperation, I think, when they do bring back this show after 10 years, a show that wasn't very popular, but has experienced a modicum of popularity. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very strange network. Very strange. And I see like looking at Outlander, like it's also on Netflix and uh, like the power is also on the Roku channel. So it's not like you have to have stars to watch those shows either. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Uh, so and it makes me curious, too, because this came back, and as far as I know, they just announced it's a season three. Yeah, they did, and they, I believe they promoted it as, as a season finale as well. They did not promote it as a series finale, so uh, perhaps there is a po- there is a possibility 
of a fourth season, which maybe we can speculate on at the end of right. the episode. But I certainly think that uh, – look, if if they say there is here, – here's what I'll say. I would be very excited for a season four, and I don't know that I would have said that before season three. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I guess we can get into it. I think it's important we can run down both kind of like a, an overview of the old cast and an overview of the new cast. So the old cast, there were seven principal players. Six of them came back. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan was not going to come back because she was on that FX series Fleischman is in Trouble, which is I've heard really good things about. And she was just starting Paramount Plus's Fatal Attraction, which I know nothing about. Uh, so she unfortunately was not going to come back. Have you seen either of those shows? Fleischman is in Trouble is indeed a really good movie. It is also a really good book as well. I, uh, while while watching the show, I started reading the book, and uh, it is either they're both very good. Uh, Lizzie Kaplan is not the main character, but she's the primary narrator, and she is very good. Uh, Fatal Attraction is based off of a very popular movie uh, that was made in 1987. Yes, and it has as as we are recording, it has not yet premiered. But okay. I believe by the time this episode goes up, uh, the first couple of, of episodes of the new Fatal Attraction may be up. So it's a, it's a big deal. That movie was very very big uh, back in the 1980s, and I'll be curious to see like how this comes across. But yeah, Lizzie Kaplan has been making moves, and uh, it's it's just amazing to me. I mean, all these all these people are extremely busy, but. Uh, just that that double whammy of Fleischman is in trouble and per- fatal attraction. Uh, that's that's big. I mean, I, I'm surprised that Adam Scott was able to get away from Severance to to do this. So uh, a little bit of a surprise that they were able to get most everyone back, but uh, a very a very good thing ultimately. How dare Lizzie Kaplan be a successful working actress? Who does she think she is? Yeah, especially on a show that is about non-successful people. <laughs> that's right. All right, so with our old cast, we have Ken Marino returning as Ron Donald. He uh, In episode one, he's the shift leader of Party Down, soon to own the company, which does come to fruition. He's no longer dating the June Raphael, uh, June Diane Raphael character from season two. And they don't explicitly state this, I don't remember, but it sounds like whatever his Soup Bar Crackers franchise never never really panned out. But he's he seems happy to be the new owner of Party Down. Adam Scott returns as Henry at uh, when we see him in episode one, he is married and he is a high school English teacher completely out of the acting game. Martin Starr is Roman back here. He's still working for party down, still writing hard sci-fi, but his blog has turned into a vlog. So he's kind of right where we left him. Um, and I like that he has this, like uh, he had that script he kind of put together in episode two when he was, uh, when he was like tweaking out and it's been like 10 years and he's like, I'm still trying to find that one thing. I kind of, I think that's a, you, you find some of those creatives or whatever that get hung up on one thing. And Roman sort of really exemplifies that. Uh, Ryan Hansen is Kyle, who has reached a career acting high at the beginning of season three, which quickly changes during the first episode. Uh, Jane Lynch is here as Constance. Uh, we hear a lot. She still claims to be an actress and a writer, but we don't really get to see that. What we mostly get to see of her is her time as a widow and an heiress and using her inheritance to help fund the arts. Uh, and then uh, Megan Mullally is back as Lydia. She is uh, managing her daughter Escapade's acting career, no longer working for Party Down, and seems to be very successful. So we sort of have a mix of where our characters are in their lives, some doing a bit better than others, and some uh, kind of stuck in the same place they have been for, for a decade. And I think that's pretty honest in how life just happens to go with groups of people. I think to me this this season is very much a showcase for Ken Marino. Everybody gets a chance to shine, I think, but – 
to me, this this very much feels like we are we are trying to get Ken Marino in Emmy nomination, and quite honestly, I think he deserves it. I think he is he's so good in this season. Just again, we've talked about the physical comedy before, but just some of the line readings that I'm going to discuss as we go through some of the episodes. But I mean, just unbelievable. He is he's so good, and really, like uh, you know, there's a lot of directions they could have taken the Martin Star character, Roman. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't go in those directions. I think he is absolutely the type of person that could have been like a men's rights guy or, you know, not my Star Wars or something like that. And I'm very relieved that they did not go in that cliche direction. And I mean, he's still he's still an asshole. Like, don't get me wrong. And he really hasn't changed that much. But I very much appreciate where where they took his character Ryan Hansen is another – he's also super underrated. I mean, it's a shame that he's not on a network sitcom. Like, I just – I don't understand it. I think he's very good here, and I think he's been very good on anything I've seen him in. Like, really, those four seasons of Veronica Mars, even though he wasn't a main player, I think he did a lot with that role. And I, I really hope that Ryan Hansen gets to be, like, on a network sitcom. I think that's where his strengths really lie. Um, Jane Lynch and Megan Mullally, like, I get, okay, we have access to these people, we're going to take advantage of it. I have to be honest in saying that if if neither one of them had been a regular part of the cast, I would not have been sad, especially Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch, I don't, there was something about her character that just did not work for me in this season, and she is easily my least favorite part of each episode, Whenever she makes her little cameo, it it just it fundamentally did not work for me. So Jerome saying that the two women in the old cast not coming back would have been a positive. Now who's the Roman De Beers? <laughs> funny, it's it's funny I say that. Um, I, I I like the Megan Mullally character. Like if she was in an episode or two, I think it works out. But just it really it felt very sweaty that they had to get her in like every episode. Very That's, shoehorned to find a way to yeah. get her in there. Yeah. She's not working for them anymore, so it's like, why does she keep appearing for these events? Yeah. Um, and and a lot of it has to be like with with Jane Lynch, it's a lot of like uh, ways to she she's just a way to like get things going in the show. Like it, it's it's like you have that one character. It's like oh, you know, in shows and they do this a lot, of like tech shows or whatever. You have somebody who has a lot of money or a corporation with unlimited money, so it kind of answers a lot of questions they don't have to solve. Jane Lynch, in a lot of ways, becomes that for party down she has some great moments and lines i don't i wouldn't go as far as you'd say that i wouldn't want her there i didn't like some of the stuff she did but uh it, it is very clear that that is kind of what her role is in some ways i think if she was in one episode i think it would have been okay i just think it was like they really just had to get her in every episode even if it was for a minute and it was just it was becoming tiresome i think well, what's not tiresome to me was some of these new cast members, because what I really like is they didn't just try to replace previous cast members. These are full new people. I think Tyrell Jackson Williams knocks out of the park as Saxon. And I think it is a great update for him to be, you know, all the people we see in Party Down are aspiring actors, writers, Hollywood types. Well, he's a web content creator, which is absolutely the type of person I think who would be in this role in 2020, 2021, 2022 if they aren't able to make money on their own, uh, you know, he's using it for connections, creating content on the, on the clock for him. It's almost like a side hustle to his main thing, but the way he plays the character is so great. And it's, 
and it really speaks like he is so different from Charles and Brock Meyer. So I was already a fan of him going into the show, but I became out of the show a bigger fan of Tyrell Jackson Williams. I think he is he is unbelievably good in this show. And, you know, we talked about him in Brock Meyer, and I think we were both impressed with the character that he played there. And this character is very different. I think he is much more extroverted and you know, it's funny that both of them are kind of very tech savvy, but uh, this Saxon is is a very different character uh, than Charles. But yeah, just from the first time you see him in the first episode, he's so good. He's so, so, so good. I, it's tough with new characters because it's like, well, is he like replacing somebody who wasn't there before? Or is he like a stand in because they couldn't get somebody else? But no, like you said, he is a wholly different character. And he really adds a lot and contributes a lot. And I, if I, I almost wish that in some ways, like we could have gotten an episode, you know, maybe without like Adam Scott, maybe like they're doing an event and Adam Scott isn't working just to really explore this character more because he's great. And I would love to see him. Uh, if they do a season four, I would love to see him become an even bigger part of it. Yes. Like I'm, I'm imagining, I'll see online sometimes you have like these content creator meetups and stuff like that. But you also have like um, that dinner in High Fidelity that the main character goes to. And it's like I forget if they're influencers or whatever, but she's very out of place. Do you remember that dinner I'm talking about? I do. Yes. On the episode that nobody will ever hear. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I feel like Party Down catering one of those events for Saxon would be a fascinating look in it and, and to see their take on those type of people in, in Oh man, uh, that, that would be very, very good. I would, I would very much appreciate that. Uh, Zoe Chow plays the character Lucy Dang in episode two. She comes as a new chef for party down. Uh, it sounds like she was kind of sold a bill of goods to be a bit more artistic and experimental with her food. I like this character. I don't think what she does like works in every episode. And I don't mean that as like her acting choices. I just mean, the role she's assigned to play. It creates some of my favorite scenes in the show in episode three, but in some ways it it, it does get to be a little out there in some episodes. And I think, but I think the payoff for her in the final episode is also really excellent. And she's great in the role. I have mixed feelings on it. What did you think of her? And, and what I I think I'm, I think I'm more positive on her role. I think she is. I think she's great. I think going in this direction, especially because I, I don't know if you watch a lot of food shows. I certainly I, I don't watch a lot of these like Top Chef and or the Gordon Ramsay ones. But, you know, I think there is an entire culture of like we are not just watching. We're not just eating food, but we're going to watch all these shows about cooking food and experimenting with different things. And that is a whole other world of TV that we really don't discuss. But I think Zoe Chow, her character feels like a response to that in some way. Especially living in Los Angeles, you would you would probably get a lot of that. But uh, yeah, she is. I, I I really like her character. I really like the performance. I think again, she just comes across like she's been a part of this cast the entire time. And I think that again, I think that's that's kind of the most impressive thing is that the the new characters never especially Saxon and Lucy, they don't feel like they're just add-ons. They just feel like they've been there the whole time almost. And to me, that's that's the most impressive thing. And I think Zoe Chow's rhythm with Ken Marino is really, really good. And just the way that they're able to play off of each other 
in many of the episodes. It's uh, it's it was a it was a real pleasure. And uh, Zoe Cow has been very good on other things as well, but this role feels like one of the best things that she's ever done. I had actually never seen her before this, but yeah, she is. She seems to be a pretty prolific actress that I've just missed a lot of the stuff that she's done. Well, Kevin, so you, there's a lot of TV. There is a lot of TV, but there are other new people I have seen in, uh, gosh, just some great comic book films. So I'm talking about two characters who are dating. One is the actor Jack Body, played by James Marsden. He's only in the first two episodes. He's a, you know, mid-40s actor who's very charming. He's in this uh, MCU equivalent, and he is dating Evie Adler, who is a movie producer played by Jennifer Garner. Uh, she ends up sticking around for the rest of the season because her and Jack romantically fall out and she starts seeing Henry. Both of them are great in their roles. Obviously, Jennifer Garner gets way more to do. But I like James Marsden, like in 30 Rock and some other things. He is I think he is incredibly versatile and maybe doesn't get the credit for being that way. But I thought he was really good in the two episodes he was in. And I only really mention him here just because when I saw the announcement of the show coming out, these were the four who were placed in the new cast. But obviously, the other three are featured much more prominently. But yeah, both both solid roles here and a nice way to shake things up from just the usual party down crew. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I appreciated about having Jennifer Garner. Like Jennifer Garner is so much more successful and I think that adds a nice dynamic. What I would say about James Marsden is if you look at his career, uh, he has either played uh, kind of a cuck or kind of the the other guy in so many of his roles, like even in the X-Men to an extent, like that's just his role. Westworld, uh, I'm trying to think of other things um, that he's kind of had that. Uh, even that Disney movie he did with Amy Adams, like he's the other guy. So it was nice to for him to kind of play a different version of that character and actually be the one who's doing the cheating this time, which we'll, which we'll get into. But yeah, he's really good. Uh, Jennifer Garner, is one of those people who every time I see her in a movie or TV show, I'm like, why is it Jennifer Garner doing something on the regular? Like, what does it she have? Like a, a network drama that is different from Alias, but is still something she can sink her teeth into? Or why is she not on a sitcom? Because she is very funny. She has been very funny in a number of movies and, of course, in the show. Uh, I think she's hilarious. She has really good chemistry with Adam Scott that is very different from Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, yeah, they, they these are both great choices. And uh, they definitely added a little bit of star power to this thing. Not that it, not that the show necessarily needed it, but I would say that it was it was it was a good spice to add to the uh, to the meal, so to speak. Well, now we're going to get into the episodes, but I have to ask first, when are you and Brian covering Nitromancer on the Pantheon? Uh, probably, I, I would hope pretty soon, right? <laughs> You'd think so. I mean, if it was coming out in 2020, right before the pandemic, any day now, it should be, it should be coming out. Yeah, uh, I would, I would definitely love to see Nitromancer. I am, we are definitely not sick and tired of superhero movies right now. No, not at all. And I do like that, like this, they, they play with sort of the world that, that exists at the time in 2020 when episode one begins, where Kyle has been cast in sort of like a DCEU, MCU equivalent. And I say DCEU because it sort of sounds like Aquaman, but the poster looks kind of like Captain America without a helmet. And then he ends up getting canceled because of the My Struggle song he sings at the end of episode two. That was a setup by one of his old bandmates. Something very real that was happening. And he's recast before the party's over. Um, 
you get caught up on everyone's lives. Uh, Constance ends up having to give Ron $10,000 to have his deal go through with Party Down to pay a lien they had. So now her and him are kind of co-partners in the business, which Ron doesn't like, but it's either that or nothing. And what I really like is that Ron's now firmly in charge of Party Down, and he's like, man, 2020 is going to be the best year ever. And then Henry sees the news about the the coronavirus coming from Wuhan over to here. And in the end of the episode, we jump to 14 months later where Ron's living in the back of the van and gets a call for his first legal event booking uh, after – the shutdown and everything else has been done. So I thought this was an interesting choice to sort of incorporate real life with it. I I do think like obviously things like someone being canceled, the social media stuff from Saxon and, and the superhero movie love, all these things are great to incorporate here. I, I could be, I could just be that I haven't watched enough television here, but I don't know that many other shows that have incorporated COVID into their shows. I don't mean something like, you know, a one-off like parks and rec thing or, or community thing that they did because of COVID. But I mean like a show that's sort of incorporated into a storyline. I'm not saying it's the first, but I can't think of that many others. Yeah. I think it's, it's been very awkward for TV shows and movies. Some have tried to take it head on. Like I know Grey's Anatomy was a show that really dealt with it head on. I, I, I'm not a, a watcher of that show, but specifically I know they had storylines where characters were getting in and whatnot. So I know it has been integrated, but um, just the idea of Ron saying 2020 is going to be the best year yet, that shouldn't work. But the line delivery is so good, and it just comes from a place of such sincerity that I laughed so hard when he uh, when he uttered the line. And I just – I was a big fan of this episode. It was a great way to bring everyone back. Uh, you really see how improved technology has become – uh, because I think the show looks a lot better than the first two seasons. I think the first two seasons, uh, they feel very like in, this was done on a digital camera. Uh, this time, I think it just it looks all the more better. I'm sure some of that has to do with advancements in technology. Other parts of it probably have to do with the fact that maybe they, get, they got more money. But yeah, just the way that they were able to bring everyone back. And a perfect way to bring everyone back, I would say, is for for. Co- for a party for Kyle kind of celebrating like he's going to be in this thing. And then he, uh, he has, he ultimately isn't. And I mean, that's the perfect way to bring party down back is that somebody who's about to experience success finally, uh, has it taken away from them. So it works out really well. Also want to point out that, uh, Quinta Brunson, uh, Quinta Brunson, who was, an- was announced as, uh, being, uh, Kyle's agent that she was going to be uh, a part of the cast. Obviously, uh, Quinta Brunson, best known for Abbott Elementary at this point. I thought she was going to be in more episodes, but I don't know whether it was a situation where uh, the, she is both a writer and the star of Abbott Elementary. So I don't know if it was a timing thing. Uh, I think she's good, but it's it's unfortunate that we did not get to see more of that dynamic play out because I think it could have worked out really well. But ultimately, I think this was a successful episode. I really wanted I, I want an episode of Ron doing like underground party now. That's that's what I want. One thousand percent. I do want to see that. And now that you mentioned the Quint, uh, the Quinta Brunson thing, one I didn't even know that she was announced. So you said something, and I looked back at what I read, and yeah, she was not part of that. So that must have come later, and I just missed it. But now I think about it. We have an episode five or six where Lydia leaves her daughter, and she gets new representation. That would have been very funny 
if she went with Quinta Brunson's character, and then maybe you have something where Lydia's conflicted about it because she dumped Kyle, who's her friend, but it's best for her daughter. You could have done something fun there, maybe. Just spitballing. Yeah, I think you definitely could have done something fun. Uh, how about Underground Party Down? Uh, maybe get Shane McMahon as the host? No. How long have you been thinking of that joke? Uh, I literally just came up with that. Okay. Is he going to tear his quad, too, just going into some quinceanera or, or <laughs> yeah, some, something like some, that? Some underground poker game that where somebody's going to like lose a limb or something. <laughs> I, I do wonder if you're a writer, though, with the COVID thing, you're like – Okay, so Ron has to obviously feel like something's going to go right, and then bam, the the rug is swept underneath him. And then you're like, how perfect is it that COVID would hit? Like that's just the perfect like scenario from that to to use a real world example to do that to him when he finally gets to own this catering company, and then suddenly he's not going to be able to cater events for like a year. I mean, this if this if this reboot was announced at the beginning of 2021, this may have been like the impetus for for like making that announcement because it's like, okay, we have this thing that we can do, and uh, yeah, I mean, from a from a human standpoint, COVID is terrible, but from a writing standpoint, like you've got something that you can use at your disposal to kind of uh, rip out the rug from under Ron and uh, poor 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 Ron, just poor Ron. Poor Ron. And what I also like, and this can this kind of brings us into episode two, is we come back and it's only Ron and Roman who are working for Party Down again. And then episode two, Henry and Kyle are both working for it. Kyle because he's canceled. And Henry because he – in between the last episode and this, he's now divorced. And did you feel a little bit of a gut punch when they were talking about the salaries high school English teachers make? Uh, it's pretty bad, of course. <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> Uh, when they pay, said like, because, right, because Roman, could they get divorced? Roman's like, oh, you know, I'm sure you're glad they got rid of antiquated divorce laws. And he's like, nope, I still pay. I still make more money than her. And they're like, what job could she possibly have that pays less than a high school English teacher? And it's like, well, that's true. So that's why he's back working for Party Down is to make the money to help pay for alimony. So, again, I like that the two of them weren't just like still working for Party Down when the show comes back. And now circumstances have brought them back to there. I think that's. It would have been just – I don't want to say lazy, but it wouldn't have been as interesting if they just came back and everyone was working for Party Down still. You'd be like, really? In 10 years, nothing really happened here? Yeah, so I appreciate that. Right it's, yeah, it's it's the 10 years plus the 14 months. I think that really adds to it as well. It's the fact that – yeah, and obviously COVID changed things so much, and I think that was – it was, again, from a writing standpoint, it really helped bring things together because obviously people need money and – side hustles and this is the perfect side hustle for for henry and yeah i just think it was a great way to to integrate them back for for episode two i mean you have to bring them you have to bring most of the characters back right to where they're in the same place so that they can exist together so i think they did a good job with that and for kyle and them it's like oh obviously ron would bring them both back and like kyle's canceled so he probably couldn't find much else work at the time Ben Ron doesn't either care or it doesn't really matter for a caterer to be in that role. So, yeah, it all worked out for me. This is also a really great Ron episode where he's he gets self-conscious about his smell. But he all, we, this is where we learn about uh, raw underground catering party down version where he lost his sense of smell because he got covid four times taking these off the books catering events during covid 
and he doesn't realize he stinks. So he showers and the host, James Marsden, recognizes his scent, which is a problem because Ron is trying to get in favor with him to do more events. So he goes and re-showers and then gets in trouble because he uses some off-limits bathroom. I mean, he didn't even need to use an off-limits bathroom, in my opinion. If someone who's a caterer just goes and showers in your house twice without asking, that's a strike enough as it is. And also he has these giant business cards which have party down instead of party down on them. So really good Ron stuff here. And, and of course, the interactions with Saxon as well, who's trying to film a video in this really nice bathroom. Uh, yeah, this is this this is a great showcase for Ken Marino, I should say. And uh, man, it just the hits just keep on coming for him. And his reaction to seeing the business card uh, <laughs> made me laugh very hard because, of course, of course, it's going to say party down. Instead How did I know this before? M and N look very similar, and I, I guess so. I think that if you're just reading it, like you might miss it. So I think that's that's that is what they go for. I I am very surprised this joke did not come back. Like I, I'm surprised it did not become a runner. Like that they would f- refer to it as party down. That would yeah, you'd think it would have been. Oh well. Um, yeah, James Marsden is also very good in this episode. Even though uh, we're not we're not going to really see him, so I just want to take the opportunity to say I think he plays off of Ken Marino extremely well. And yeah. I I don't think I would have thought that before that you put James Marsden and Ken Marino together and it would really work, but it sure did, and uh, it was it was very good. Yeah, James Marsden, big fan. Hopefully, he gets like I said, just put him in more comedies. That's what I want to see. Absolutely. Yeah, he he crushes it in comedies. But the big thing from this episode is that Henry and Evie, Jennifer Garner's character, end up getting together. They catch James Marsden sneaking in with another actress because he thinks it's a surprise party for him. So he thinks his wife is out of town and all this stuff. So he's bringing her home, finds the catering company crap. So they need to keep quiet about it. But something about Henry wants to still tell her. So he leaves her a note, which he finds. And they end up breaking up because the girl herself confesses. And then her and Henry end up hitting it off and she gives him her number there. I liked all that. Uh, I I did think it was interesting that, you know, this is also the introduction to Lucy Zoe Chow's character and that her earthy cake bites that kind of trigger self-introspection are what got her to confess. Uh, It was an interesting bit of the episode, but ultimately got us where we needed to with with Henry and Evie. Yeah, I I love the fact that Jennifer Garner and Adam Scott have a very different type of relationship than Lizzie Kaplan. I think it's more mature. Obviously, they're older, so that makes a difference. But I think the energy is just very different. I think it still works out really well. But I love the idea that different people have different chemistry. Not all relationships are the same. And I think the show does a really good job of creating a different dynamic that still ultimately works. Agreed. And I also really like the next episode where Evie and Henry, like Evie approaches Henry and she's like, okay, so like, what is this? Are we just hooking up? She's like, that's fine. But I I think it's sort of this thing of like, Hey, we should really be explicit about what this is. So there's a mutual understanding between two adults about what we're getting ourselves into a conversation that basically either didn't happen. There was a lot of assumptions, I think between Henry and Casey, or they would just get mad at each other and not really, bring it up so as you said a much more mature uh uh, relationship and obviously henry in a different place being now a recent divorcee so all that works out really well for me and i really enjoyed this episode i did as well very good start but the next one 
this might be my favorite episode not, of not only the season, but a party down period. Don't you hate it, Jerome, when you accidentally cater a Nazi symposium? So obviously they, they've done this before, but now <laughs> it's they, they I think that was it wasn't. I think that was more like Republican. This is yes. just straight up. This is straight up Nazis. But oh, yeah, I just think this episode from the minute that they realized it's a Nazi symposium and what a great group of guest stars, too. Uh, obviously, Nick Offerman's the big headline, but just everybody that they get to play this. I mean, I, I just absolutely loved every minute of this episode. Lucy, for me, is the big standout of this episode. One, I think the the scene where she is morally opposed to serving and she hits the dishes out of Ron's hands and then Ron picks up another tray to go leave and then he bumps into the wall and dumps it over himself is like the funniest physical comedic moment of the entire show. It's really great. But then Nick Offerman, who is one of the guest speakers, loves Lucy's cooking and like truly understands her dishes. And she can't help but be like really flattered that like finally someone understands her food, even though, oops, it's a Nazi. So what are you going to do? And then I like that that leads to Saxon making Roman realize that his audiences themselves are Nazis and incels, which totally checks out. Uh, so all of that stuff, like the, the Lucy stuff for me was like her highlight of her character, but also a highlight of the whole season overall. For sure. So the other actor that I want to point out, uh, is Callum worthy. He plays Stuart yes, in the episode. Great. I don't know so, him from anything else though. So here's the thing. I don't know. We could probably do an episode on American Vandal, but anytime that, that show has so many memorable characters that every time I see one of them, I always associate them with American Vandal. And I think it's a testament to how good that show is. And maybe we really should probably just do an episode on American Vandal, those two seasons. Uh, But Callumworthy was on uh, one of the seasons. I forget which one offhand, uh, but he's so good on that show. He's so good here. Uh, Basically, Wikipedia says first season. Okay. So, he is basically like he is the he's the person in charge. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to put like a nice face on being a Nazi, like getting away from like the aggressive actions and behaviors. And like he's still a terrible person, but he wants to like dress them up and be re- like be a more pleasant Nazi, I guess. And I love this idea. I think it's a really original way of approaching this, not from just, oh, Nazis are bad. Like you could do that. And maybe it'll work, but this this was a unique approach to critiquing the modern culture, especially as it pertains uh, to the right and even the way that they have the fake protesters. I just think uh, this episode worked on every level. And Nick Offerman should be a double Emmy winner. He should win guest performance in a drama for The Last of Us. He should also win guest uh, in a comedy as well. He should win the Emmy for this as well. He is truly absolutely fantastic. Like nobody would have been better for this role. Nice that he is also married to someone on the cast so they could get that done. But he would have been great regardless of that. And with the Callum Worthy character, he's also smart enough to try to he, – he creates this fake protest group outside to get attention. And then they get att- attacked by – well, they're called the Rowdy Boys, but it's basically supposed to be the Proud Boys. And Kyle joins that protest, which is very funny. And I also like the whole side story with Henry and 
two of his students end up seeing him uh, at his real job that he's been trying to hide for them. Or I guess I, I guess his teaching is his real job and party down is his side job. But to us, it's sort of a different thing. And they get to see him act at the end of the episode when Callum's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't pay right now. You know, we'll, we'll have to expense it. And Henry puts on this this performance. But, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm divorced. I need this money. I'm going to get killed. What happened to you being for the common man? Da, da, da. And they end up getting a check for the for the for the event. And great scene. So good. And Jerome, you know, this is we, we take baby steps to things on shows in this season. At the very end of the episode, we get to hear Henry's beer commercial. So the next logical step, if we go one more season later, is we get to see it. Right. Right. I, I think we need to have some fun. I think that's that's the essence, right? I think we need to <laughs> we need to see the commercial once and for all. But uh, I love the look that he gives his students after he gives the big speech. It's yeah, what a great moment for Henry. Like he gets to win. Like he actually gets a small victory, and I think that it's it's great. Like I think this show can, while it is very funny, it can also be a little bit depressing. But I love that they straight up give him a victory in this episode. I think it's a great moment and it doesn't take away. It doesn't take away from the rest of the, of the feelings that you get watching this show. So uh, yeah, I really, like I said, this episode top to bottom might be my favorite party down episode ever. What I like about it too, is it, it sort of wins him over for the students who really only know him as the English teacher. Who's taking over this production from the theater professor so now it makes them see him in a new light. One of the girls was planning to quit, and this gets her to stay. So yeah, it's like a whole different relationship between him and the theater students is built, which gets paid off later. Another small thing I like in this episode that isn't said but shown, and like it's not even mentioned at all, but there's a part of me that says, you know, this is taking place in 2021, maybe 2022 at some point. And I'm like, you know, if if Henry needs side money and we're in the gig economy – wouldn't he be like an Uber driver or something at this point? Couldn't he maybe get more money than that during Party Down? And at the beginning of the episode, you see just how shitty his car is. And to me, it says, okay, yep, now I understand why he can't do that. Uh, and I I would imagine being a bartender at Party Down, like, that's probably a pretty good side hustle. Like, it's maybe something you don't want to be doing with yourself, but for tips and whatnot, and Henry seems like he's a good bartender, so I would imagine he probably makes decent money at it. Well, are they taking the guarantee ten percent or betting on themselves with tips? We don't know. We don't. We don't get that, and uh, I think it's unfortunate. But uh, in this economy, I think you take the guarantee ten percent. Yeah, that's very fair. That's a very good point. Now, I have to bring. I hate to bring this down because you said episode three may have been your favorite episode of the series overall. Episode four might have been my least favorite episode of the series overall. Uh, and- yes, I, we're actually in agreement on this. I, okay. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I would say. Of the series, it was definitely my least favorite episode of the season. I just really hate the we're all on drugs engine of an episode. I think it's overdone and just not compelling. Um, we are really on the exact same page. I, I I almost wish we disagreed because I think it would make for better radio. But boy, oh boy, did I not like this episode. There's still some fun moments, but... I- I really like that. My favorite part is the sting operation and like the guest actors of like Judy Reyes and Bobby Moynihan and those folks. Like, I think those people are maybe the best part of the episode. I'm not a big Bob. I'm not a big Bobby Moynihan fan, so I can't I can't speak to that. But yeah, it was just it was a really strange episode. The drug thing, obviously, is something that is a huge uh, burden for me because it's just it's done 
so much. And it's the same thing. Like some characters have a breakthrough. Some characters get really weird. Like we discussed, um, we discussed the bad trip on togetherness as well. I didn't like that. Then didn't like it here. Uh, I do like the interactions between Evie and Henry, but yeah, I just, I wasn't feeling this episode at all. And I even think it goes back to when we talked about the porn awards episode in the original party down, like the side story where, where Casey's high. So Henry tries to get high so they can both be on that same level. Like that whole part of the episode isn't nearly as interesting or fun as the Ron realizing he has a huge dick and trying to get him into porn side of things. So yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a trope I don't really enjoy. I guess the one kind of good thing of it is Roman was like he had his breakthrough script at the end of season two because of being messed up. And then here he has his epiphany for how to to, you know, break through with his his writer's block here as well on Mushroom. So it's like it's kind of funny that the guy who tries to play straight and sober and kind of looks down on drugs gets his best ideas on them. But there is there just isn't much of this episode. Otherwise, it it it, it is. Not my favorite. It was very frustrating to me when I looked on IMDb and saw it was the highest rate of the season. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, I don't understand that at all. Like, I could see, like, episodes three and five are probably my two favorite, and then this one just, it stunk. Here's what I'll say. If this had been, the if this had been like, episode one or two, I would have been really, really concerned. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I watched these, I watched two episodes at a time and this left me on like a really sour note when I watched episodes three and four, I was like, oh man, like what is, what has happened to my party (laughs) down show? What is happening here? Yeah. If episode three had not been so good, I think I would have been more concerned, but I was like, okay, this is this, this is the stinker. You know, if you have six, if you have a comedy and you have six episodes, one of them just isn't going to work. And I think that's, that's what happens. Comedy is tough. And I'm sure there are some people that really love episode four are screaming at us uh, through their air, their, through their earphones. But yeah, uh, this episode is no bueno. Uh, let's move on to an episode that I really liked. Well, if anyone's screaming at us, the good news is, is uh, we can't hear them and they have to hear us. So suck it. <laughs> yes. yes. Episode five, I really like because it's actually set up in episode two. Lydia kind of gets my, you know, her, her mind kind of gets racing and worried because Kyle mentions the whole child actor thing. And she's worried that Escapade may become like uh, a victim of of child acting issues and follies. And when she's talking to the actress that James Marsden is cheating on and she talks about missing her prom, Lydia realizes that her daughter Escapade missed her prom. And once you knew it, she also has a movie coming out called Proms Away to promote. So Lydia puts together a promotional event for Proms Away where it basically gives – or it's supposed to give Escapade the prom experience that she never had. A great episode overall. A lot goes on in this episode here uh, with some really great guest actresses. Uh, something worth noting is the Escapade actresses recast. Caitlin Dever was the original Escapade in the season. I know she's – I feel like she's blown up and did a lot of things. She did Book Smart was probably the biggest thing she's done since then. But Liv Hewson uh, plays Escapade now. And I like what we get to see with her and Lydia in this episode overall. And I like that we really only saw her in the one episode of the original season. And she was just sort of like a little kid who was mean to her mom. But now we see that she actually really cares about her mom and, and gets concerned for her over overworking. And I like the the dynamic we got to see between the two of them in this episode. It's unfortunate that we could not have Caitlin Deaver do the part again. I think Liv Houston brings a little bit of a different energy, but – 
You could also say, okay, she's a little bit older and more mature now. So I think this works out pretty well. And uh, this is uh, this is also a great Megan Mullally episode. I think she gets to do the most here, and it makes sense. Uh, given the event and what it's what it's there for, so yeah, I just there and a lot happens. Like, uh, in just reading through your description of the episode, like there's a ton that happens uh, throughout, and obviously because we were setting up the last episode too. But I think one of my favorite parts of the episode is that Roman is like ready to like he's flirting with this female guest or thinks he's flirting but she is uh she is of course a producer for a no-name streaming service and i am sad that we did not get to see what the streaming service was offering uh besides what roman was selling that's because that's the thing is like what are the fake shows what are the fake concepts that they're trying to come up with uh are they reaching the right taste clusters kevin that's the that's the other important question it's a streaming service that no one has heard of. It's it's so good. It, it's, this it's, again, feels, it's perfect. This feels like a shot at Quibi. That's what it feels like to me. I almost wonder if it was like a low-key shot at Stars. <laughs> I mean, it could very well be. That's also possible. But I, I feel like everybody wants to make fun of Quibi. And why wouldn't you? Because boy, oh boy. I mean, you want to talk about like... You want to talk about, like, Ken Marino saying 2020 is going to be our year? How about releasing a short-form streaming service that is specifically designed to be watched on your phone, on a commute, and then people just stop commuting to work? Like, what a fantastic, horrific bit of timing that was. I mean, that's a Ron Donald situation right there. I mean, that is that is just all-time great. And I just want to say, because we're going to be reviewing Barry, uh, that taste cluster scene has only aged better slash worse, depending on your perspective. I just want to point that out. Like, we basically mention it weekly at this point. Like, we can yes. with, with, this, with stuff that's going on in the world. Yeah, what we are texting each other taste clusters all the time. So I don't I haven't watched Succession, but what did you what do you what can you tell me about Taylor Ortega, the, the guest female that Roman speaks to? Uh, she is a small part of succession. Like, honestly, I had to look at the IMDb to remind myself and I don't remember her character specifically. So I cannot imagine that it was anything of that of significance. Uh, I really want to do a full rewatch of succession at some point. And so, yeah, I don't really remember her very well. So maybe that speaks to uh, how small of a part she plays on the show. But yeah, uh, at some point, uh, Kevin and I need to, well, you need to watch it. I need to rewatch it because, uh, I, you know, I read it on the Internet every day that the succession uh, people are very much like the McMahon family. So, yeah. Would you say that Taylor Ortega is the biggest actress with the last name Ortega in Hollywood right now? Uh, I think Jenna would probably want to fight her. But what? Yeah. You, maybe, you, you think so? You think she's she's a little more famous at this point? I mean, she's literally been in two screen movies uh, Wednesday. Um, she's been in a small indie horror movie. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Well, in shows that I have seen, I was thrilled to see Lyric Lewis from AP Bio in this episode. Her, her role is sort of nebulous, but it's somebody who Ron is trying to impress to get more catering events. I think she's, she holds a lot of promotional events, so she hires a lot of catering companies and Ron gets sick. He gets food poisoning and then Constance has to take over and being a hard ass. And I think this was her finest work in the whole season. Or having to run the you, show yes. and, and be a hard ass to impress uh, Lyric Lewis's character. And they end up successfully trading business cards. So things pay off, even though 
Gron got sick and Constance also made herself sick having to be a hard ass. Uh, I thought that was very funny that she wasn't lying about that. I mean, listen, there's nothing for me is going to top Ron getting so drunk that he pukes all over the parking lot in the one episode of Party Down in his high school reunion. But him uh, shitting in the kitchen into that bucket is pretty damn funny. Oh, my God. I mean, again, it's the physical comedy of Ken Marino. And, yeah, I really hope they – I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see him get an Emmy nomination because he is so, so good in this season. And then it seems like at the end of the episode, things are going to go great for Henry because Evie gets promoted and she's going to oversee this space franchise called Star Saga, uh, an original thing. They're not taking shots at anybody. And Henry has the chance to move to Tunisia with her and take a role as part of this franchise. And things seem like they're finally going to look up for our good friend Henry at the end of this episode here. Yeah, we give some hope to the Adam Scott character. And yeah, it's uh, it really sets up the finale well. And uh, all I'm going to say is I, I think the finale, it's whether it is a season finale or whether it is a series finale, I I felt very satisfied by all the arcs that they set up and paid off. And I think it, it's extremely difficult to end a show like this, especially when you only have so few episodes. But I, I was very, very satisfied by the way the, se- the season ended. And, uh, you know, it's it, it was I, I was very touched by the finale. That's all I'll say for now. Right. Oh, and I, I'd be remiss with we were talking about physical comedy and not mention uh, Saxon and Kyle having the dance off at the end and then. You just see you hear a fall that Saxon takes and you see his body going up an escalator. Too good. Too funny. It's very funny. Uh, one more thing. I, I don't want to go back to it. I don't want to dwell on it. But what would Brock Meyer think of Charles doing drugs? I think he would be nervous, but very proud. <laughs> it also depends which season Brock Meyer we're talking about, too. Right. And where where is Charles in his life? Too? Yes. Yeah, and really, what's going on in Brock Meyer's life? And can can he uh, can, could Charles have? But that's that's drugs? the first thing I thought of when uh, when he took the drugs. I was like, what would Brock Meyer do? Be the thinking right now? Could they do some? Is there some way to cross <laughs> these universes? A Brock Meyer event catered? I don't know. Like a like a Hall of Fame thing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so, but. Boy, oh boy, does Brock Meyer seem more and more prescient every day. That's all he sure does. So then we get to our final episode where Henry is throwing in the school play and Evie surprises him with a catered opening night party on school grounds with the party down crew. I love that. Henry says, wait, do I have to work this as they're going into the the opening here? It gets shut down and they pivot and restart the library. Uh, That dastardly vice principal shutting them down. Um, And really what it comes down to is Henry gets fired by the principal for this, but then he gets his job back because the vice principal has some blackmail information on her phone. He tells Evie that he's sort of happy there. Like I think with the way the play goes and seeing that the, the children are really like him and that they're sad to see him go, it makes him realize that maybe he doesn't really want to start over again. Like what he would be getting by moving to Tunisia and being an actor's maybe, that's something the old Henry would have wanted. But now I think he, he seems to be happy and satisfied and like his life there. And I really like how how Evie handles uh, that information um, that she's still supportive of him getting his job back, even if it makes her very sad. What do you think of that that revelation for Henry? 
I think it's a, I think it makes sense. Like, I think if this were 10 years earlier, maybe his perspective would be very different. But I think when you, I think when you integrate yourself as a high school teacher uh, and, you know, it's something I did very briefly being a high school teacher, it sucks. I think it's a pain in the ass, but I think if you find the right school and you, and you find the right students and you really build those relationships, like I could definitely see Henry making that choice. And especially when you are, when you're the director of the high school plays, I think that makes a huge difference too, because when you're, when you're in the theater, you're really together with these people for a long time. And I think some resentment can build, but I also think that you build, how how do I want to say this? Because it's, it's, it, there is a love there that is not like a teacher sleeping with a student, but just a genuine respect, um, just for doing all of this work. And, um, you know, plays are, plays are hard. Life theater is very, very difficult to pull off. And especially at the high school level with the hormones and all that shit. But, I think I could definitely see Henry making this decision as a 40-year-old person as opposed to a 30-year-old person. I think 30-year-old Henry, maybe he does go to Tunisia. Maybe he does decide, okay, I want to try this. But when you get to a certain point in your life, it's one of those things like, do I really want to travel halfway across the world? Do I really want to put all this work into uh, a space franchise? And I think it's the right call. And look, maybe there's a possibility that he – like maybe he gets a small indie role at some point, but for this point in his life, why is he going to go to Tunisia? You know, being with Evie is great, but like that, that can't be the only thing. Like you have to have something uh, for yourself as well. And he's, uh, he's found himself uh, being very happy, but this episode is so great. And I think part of the reason it's great is because of course it's the vice principal. That's a real hard ass. And uh, he plays the role perfectly. Dan, uh, is it back doll? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Yeah, he's pretty much one of those, you know, every man kind of guys. Like, you, I feel like I see him in a thousand things. Uh, he's great. He just plays the role so perfectly and is such an asshole. And it works out great. And it, and it is. And, and that is to me, this is so indicative of life. It's like the principal is the one who needs to be friendly to the students and the vice principal is the hard ass. That goes for the teachers, the students. Same thing with colleges. The dean has to be the nice one who they get to tell people the good news, and it's the vice, it's the assistant and associate deans who have to give out the bad news or be the red tape folks. Well, it's very realistic that the vice principal is the one who's doling out the punishments, has the better up as being a hard ass, and everyone loves the principal. Here's the thing. I think in and you and I have talked about this through text about other things, but in any organization, you have to have the person who is an asshole, even though you resent them, you hate them, you have to have this person in your organization for the organization to work, right? Yep. The heat position, as I like to say. But I also uh, love that we get another – we got uh, Gene Villapique as the principal, another AP Bio guest star. I really need to sit down and watch AP Bio, I guess, because these actors keep coming up. Yeah, it's great. The other thing I really like here was that with Lucy, she has this – she's been like using extra party down money and stuff to create this like special wasabi-coated saffron thing that she thinks is going to be her ticket out of party down into this really fancy restaurant. And then Ron just eats it at the end and it clears his – and he can smell again. <laughs> he lost it, – it's – to me, that was a wonderful payoff. I, I really like the fact that Ron got something good. Yes. Like – 
he has just been such a sad sack the entire run of the show. But just to give him this little victory, I really appreciated that. Yes, uh, and especially because the, the sort of the hanging thread at the end of the episode is who really owns Party Down because the paperwork uh, done by his lawyer who's crummy basically gave Constance control of the company as majority owner. So that's sort of where we're leaving the, the season, but Ron at least gets his smell back. Some other things that are tied up is Escapade signed with Ted Fine, who was the person who Lydia shooed away from her party last episode, but now they're also dating because that's who Escapade – she brought him to the party – to try to get them together, not to fire her mom and sign with him, as Lydia thought. Uh, but then Lydia quits, and now she is signed with her. And then Kyle, he's been trying out for the Lost Boys. He got a callback in that drug episode, and he gets cast as what he thinks is Damien, one of the lead roles. And, uh-oh, he's actually the dad of Damien, which Roman, who is really sad over the failed – well, not failed streaming service, but he signed over his idea, and it's not really what he wanted it to be. Uh, it's the good news he needed. Much like Ron getting a smell back, he needed something new. So to learn that not that Kyle wasn't Damien Lost Boys, but the dad of Damien really makes his day. And I think that uh, Roman really gives – this feels like a shot at, at Hollywood overall where he's – saying that all the original ideas are taken, and he says there are no more original ideas, just reboots and remakes. Amen, Roman. Amen. Yeah, I mean, especially literally, he's saying this in a reboot. So, uh, worked out perfectly. It's a a great gag, and again, this is an episode with a a lot of stuff happens. Like, thing is, these episodes are only 30 minutes, and they pack a lot into them, and it's really impressive just what they're able to do in a six-episode season and for it to feel natural. And, you know, I, I feel like comedies, I think they're at their best when they're 30 minutes or less. And the way that they're just able to stuff so much, I think, works out really well. And uh, quite honestly, maybe some more, you know, highly rated comedies, Cough, Cough, Ted Lasso, maybe they could take some notes from Party Down and what they're able to do in 30 minutes. Well, uh, something else they're able to do at the end of 30 minutes is jump ahead to four months later. Henry's still working a party down. Uh, I think he seems to be very happy. And uh, we have uh, Henry is running things. So I guess that's or not not Henry. I'm sorry. Ron's running things. So I guess that's been cleared up and they're catering this Hollywood event. And an actress appears backstage to try to steal like a bottle of what looks to be Grey Goose. And it's Casey and her and Henry have this moment alone and learns that she hates being on her show and she says, hey, we should get together when she's back in town and that's going to be soon because she's quitting. So we see that maybe there's a future with Henry and Casey and maybe him sticking around is uh, was for the best after all, but we won't know unless there's a season four. But what a great yeah. cameo. I, I sort of figured they were going to get her at least for a cameo. Like it just, Me you too. can't bring the show back unless you bring her back. Like even if it's for something like this, which I'm sure they shot in a day, maybe like at at some point before, after she was done with her shows. Like there was like three other people that were there. Uh, it, it, it was seemed only natural. And I think it would have, it would have sucked if she had not been a part of this season. So even getting her for the small role, I think it worked out really well. And uh, it was a great capper. It was a perfect, it was a perfect bow on top of the season, which I think was really great and fantastic. And I think of all the rebooted seasons that I've seen from various shows, this is definitely one of the better ones, if not the best. I'd really have to sit down and think about it, but this was a reboot season that worked. I think it came across really well, and I think just the way that they paid off so many things 
um, I was I was very impressed by what I saw throughout. Yeah, I mean, if you remove see episode four, this is about as perfect as you're going to get as a rebooted show. And obviously, we have differing feelings on a lot of people due to episode four, so that is what it is. But yeah, this was a blast, and I think six episodes to me was perfect. It didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. Each episode was a really compact thirty minutes. Just really impressive work from everybody. Overall, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, again, I was nervous just because of other shows, but they really did a, a really good job with Party Down. I'm glad. I, I'm glad it took its time. Um, I'm just really glad with the way it was all presented in general. You know, what if Rob Thomas had proposed blowing up Henry in a car? Do you think that, or the other writers like Ixnay on the oh blowing up a right? That's it's like uh, like that writer has like the one idea. And it's like, will you stop proposing <laughs> blowing up an actor in a car every seat every show? I mean, that uh, that that probably did as much to kill Veronica Mars as anything else. Seriously. Like I think if you if you take that moment out of it, we might be having a different discussion about it. But it did, which is funny because I didn't even I didn't hate it. Like I could see it be working, but boy oh boy, did people hate it. <laughs> yeah, not 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 a good choice in the end. Nope. Uh, so that's party down season three. Anything else you wanna you wanna say that we haven't talked about already? I am very glad that we watched the first two seasons and that. Uh, we watched this season. I think it worked out really, really well. I was very impressed across the board. And again, this might be my favorite season of the show, even with episode, even with episode four being kind of a, a stinker. But uh, episode three is probably my favorite of the series. I really like episodes five and six. I think one and two, I think work out. Uh, they're really good, like reintegrations or, and reintroductions, so to speak. But yeah, I just I walked away very very impressed throughout this this season just the way that they were able to tell their stories and the way that you know, I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of okay, we are streaming show or like we are coming back like we're going to do like 45 minute episodes and we're going to do longer things because we're only six episodes, but they really stuck to the 30 minutes. I think it worked out really well. I think the shows the pacing was perfect and you know, I certainly have my nitpicks, but overall, I think this was really, really successful. And, you know, it's funny. I, I read a couple of negative reviews, and I think that, yes, there is a sadness to some of this, but I think it's well-earned. And, look, I think that the chemistry between this cast has always been stellar, and they were able to keep it. It's so difficult to reboot a show and recapture the magic, and at the end of the day, I think they did it. I think they they did a successful reboot of a TV series, which in some ways might be one of the most difficult things you could do. For sure. And safe to say, if they do another season, we will be back to discuss it. Yeah, unless unless the fourth season is terrible. Which oh, I, I, mean, I feel like we would still need to discuss it anyways, right? I, probably, but I, I, if they're going to do a fourth season, I want it to be good. Like, that's the only thing that matters. Like, if they have an idea for a fourth season, then by all means do it. But if they don't, just just let it go. Just let it go. I agree. Yeah. Uh, just let just friggin' let it go. No need to hang on. And you know what I think, like we talked about with Casey and Adam Scott, there's a lot of these actors who are doing some really great things right now. So just let them do the, the good work and, and let, let Sunset Party down. But that's that's for a, a future date. What are we doing next month, Jerome? So we've had some difficulties this year so far, picking shows and then changing our minds. And maybe things aren't going well with some of these shows and maybe we're not enjoying them. 
we are going with, I think, a show that both Kevin and I really, really enjoy. We are going to be discussing Pushing Daisies, another canceled too soon. I am so excited to talk about this because I haven't watched this in a very long time, but I am excited. And I think it kind of completes our Lee Pace uh, journey, so to speak, right? I believe that covers every Lee Pace major show that he has been in. Uh, as we covered Wonderfalls, we covered uh, Halt and Catch Fire, and now we're going to be covering this. I, that's every show he has been a main cast member in uh, that we are going to be covering. Interesting enough for me, this is a show that I purchased the first season on DVD and just never watched it. I don't know why. It just it just never became a priority or whatever else, but I had a friend I remember who loved it. And so I said, okay, I'll go and get the DVD and then just never watched it, never watched season two either. So I haven't seen this and I'm really looking forward to watching it because I've only heard really good things. Um, and I'm, gl- I'm in a way I'm glad I waited because now I know more about Lee Pacing and get even more excited for watching it. Absolutely, Kevin. I'm very excited to talk about Pushing Daisies, but in some ways, in two months, we're going to be discussing the fourth and final season of Barry, and I am really, really looking forward to that because I, I watched the season for the fourth uh, for the fourth se- for the fourth season, and boy, oh boy, it's going to be it's going to be something very different than I think any other prestige show. I think. And because shout I think out. They, go ahead. I say, and, and, and a quick shout out to Mike Thomas on Enter the Real World, who just posted his ranking the Barry series article and gave a shout out to our podcast. He sent me a few DMs while watching it to share his thoughts, and overall, he he really liked it. So, give that a quick read if you want to, and also go back list of three episodes. I'm I'm sad to see Barry go, but also sort of glad it's not gonna overstay its welcome. I could have made the argument it could have almost been like a one season show. I think four seasons is perfect, and. What a night May 28th is going to be, Kevin. On May 28th, both Succession and Barry will have their series finales. Wow. That is remarkable. That is a huge night of TV. Uh, this, it's, going to be, it's going to be something else, I'll tell you what. But I, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Well, in the meantime, you can follow myself on Twitter at KFord13 and go back and listen to everything else we've done on Enter the Real World, everything to do with Veronica Mars, everything to do with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, everything to do with Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, you listen to our other Cancel Too Soon's about Wonderfalls and get all of your Lee Pace fills, Freaks and Geeks, uh, Brock Meyer, tons of stuff we've discussed there all over on EnterTheRealWorld.com. That's Jerome and I stuff, but Jerome does some other things with – uh, his host, Brian. So, Jerome, what do we got on the docket for the month of April? Uh, so in the month of April, we are discussing Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, the recently uh, Academy Award winning actress. And uh, she did a number of movies in Hong Kong. And we are discussing some of those. We have been uh, in a very action-y place uh, the, the last couple months discussing uh, Michelle Yeoh. The month of May, we are watching the Yip Man series starring Donnie Yen. And, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend people check out uh, what we're doing and also check out those movies because especially if you are if you are a fan of Michelle Yeoh, if you are a fan of John Wick, I think going back and seeing kind of uh, other action films I think would be very, very useful, very helpful. And, uh, yeah, I would – I mean Donnie Yen is awesome and I am really glad that before I saw John Wick, I watched the Man series because uh, it, was, uh, it was very, very good. So – uh, that is what Brian and I are doing. June is going to be Harrison Ford month, which I'm looking forward to in honor of Indiana Jones coming out at the end of the month. And uh, we've also got things that we're planning as well for the rest of the summer and into the fall. And uh, 
yeah, Kevin and I, uh, we've got the next two months planned and then the world is our oyster. I don't know what we're going to be doing after, but I know we are, we're going to be coming to the end of, uh, canceled too soon at some point. I don't know whether it's going to be this year or towards the beginning of next year, but we definitely have some ideas about how we're going to end it. So it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be fun. A, lot, a lot of it depends on, you know, what's available for us to watch and some other things, but I'm glad at least like, I don't have to think about the next two months. I'm going to, I'll be honest. I'm going to be playing a lot of the new Zelda game in May and in June. So I'm really glad you're hosting and I'm really glad we already have these planned. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, I'm hosting and editing the next, next two months. So I'm very excited. So for this episode, thank you all so much for listening. I'm Kevin. Here's Jerome. And we will see you next month to discuss the entire series of Pushing Daisies. You know, I think 2023 is really going to be our year.